Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi right, guys, welcome into another episode here over the weekend of the OBR Film Breakdown. Although this is more of a replay of Twitch, sometimes I do this depending on time I have in an evening, if I'm on a show, so on and so forth. This is more geared toward, I want you guys to hear something that was not a part of our usual schedule. We posted on Thursday, we did this live show with Bill Carroll, who's the uh, who's the director of HBCU Scouting. He does such great work, and these are prospects that have that have made their way into into you know the the draft and huge parts of the NFL Hall of Famers more recently think like Darius Leonard these are guys that don't get the mainstream college attention but deserve the stage still and are really really good prospects hiding out there that you need to know about and that's what we're trying to do here so if you're a draft guru this podcast is for you it's going to have some names to pay attention to for the browns late in the draft in the uh undrafted free agent territory as well as guys across the league who could be of interest to some teams uh so it's a really fascinating conversation with bill and steve and if you if you were live with us thursday i apologize you can obviously skip this podcast but if you didn't and you care enough about the draft to know the nitty-gritty details about some players out there who deserve some shine, which Bill does a great job of, and Steve, uh, Stephen Thomas, uh, host this show, does great with that as well. This is the podcast for you. So I wanted to post it over the weekend to give you a chance to listen to it if you could not listen to it live. A reminder about the Blue Wire newsletter and whether you have signed up for that yet. I've been talking about it on podcasts recently. It's the perfect time to do so. If you sign up, you can win prizes every single month, like gift cards, free merch, and even some cash to put in your pocket. In celebration of American Prodigy's third season with the Blue Wire uh, Podcast Network, you can win some sick Blue Wire merchandise as well. By signing up today, you're immediately entered to win so just click that link in the description of this podcast for more information and to get signed up. And again, you can find it uh, just by going to the, the uh, information or the details or the description of this podcast. However, you're using uh, this, uh, the platform you're using, Spotify, Apple, you can find it in the description. So check that out. Get in while you can here with the Blue Wire newsletter. So let's uh, let's get over to Steve and, and Bill and I'll join late. I was putting my son down during this time frame and it's I always try to tell Steve, like, hey, man, I could probably 7.30. It just depends on when Porter's uh, nighttime routine gets done and all of that. So I joined the show a little late. It's about an hour long. It's good content, good names to know. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, get something from it because Bill is a, is, a great, is a great resource for this stuff, and he's a great follow at 11, spelled out 11, Bravo, 138 on Twitter. Let's get over to the show right now. You won't hear from me at the end, so have a great Sunday. Enjoy the show, and go Browns. Good evening, Cleveland Browns fans. Welcome back to the o- o- the OBR Twitch channel, the only Twitch partner channel dedicated solely to covering your Cleveland Browns. My name is Stephen Thomas, as you can see right there, at Browns Mock Draft on Twitter. I am your host and MC for this evening's festivities. With me, as always, is Boinka, Boinka the Tiki. Regular viewers know is very bad. Steal Boinka's rum is very bad. We have an exciting show for you tonight. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. I had uh, our uh, one of our, our guests tonight 
on back in the fall when we were doing Saturday morning draft talk. Uh, and it was a fantastic interview. He's one of the best guys on Twitter. He's a super, super uh, guy, and he's great at what he does. Bill Carroll, uh, director of HBCU Scouting, uh, will be joining us here shortly. Uh, I hope that uh, Jake Burns will be able to join us later. It is all up to the uh, uh, the two-foot terrorist that lives in his house, the four-year-old there, uh, when, uh, when Porter goes to bed. And uh, Jake has some freedom. He has said he may join us here tonight. Uh, real quickly, I just want to remind everyone, you can always subscribe to the OBR Twitch channel for free. That link right over over there, over there uh, in the uh, in the chat, the very first one. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get a free subscription to the OBR Twitch channel. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch subscription included to the streamer of your choice. It doesn't have to be us, but obviously we would love that. It takes less than two minutes to set it up. We would dearly love uh, for you guys to do that because uh, your subscriptions are what keep us going and allow us to keep doing uh, what I think is some tremendously great content here on the OBR Twitch channel. It's that, that link right over there. So I'm, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring my guest in. Uh, Bill Carroll, you can see right there at 11Bravo138 on Twitter. Uh, I have followed this man and spoken to him online for I have five or six years. It's been a long time. Finally had the chance to speak uh, in person this past fall, and I loved every second of it. Bill, thanks for coming back on here to the OBR Twitch channel tonight. It is an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. One, because you also are one of my favorite people, and <laughs> I, I've had the great pleasure of getting a chance to know you uh, as a funny human, as a decent human, and most importantly, as someone who has managed to somehow live this long as a Browns fan, which shows your <laughs> intestinal fortitude, um, just how tough you are mentally and physically. Yeah, nothing can hurt me. Nothing can <laughs> hurt me. I was at uh, I was at Disney last week, and we went on the Jungle Cruise ride with my uh, my two little cousins. And you know, if you've ever ridden that, you know that the people that drive the boats they try to make jokes. And I had a brown shirt on, and she was making fun of my brown shirt. And I just looked at her at one point, and I said, "I've been a Browns fan for fifty two years. Do you really think you can hurt me? It's, it's nothing you say penetrates." So um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, the HBCU Combine, the HBCU Legacy Bowl. We're gonna talk about you. Uh, and what you do for a matter of fact, let's do that first, and then we'll sure. go to the to the combine. Uh, for those of you who may not follow, and if you're not following Bill on Twitter, you're not doing uh, draft Twitter right. Uh, for those of you who may not follow him, may not know who he is, tell the people uh, what you do, how you interact with the players, and what what you what you provide to the HBCU athletic sure. community. So I've been lucky uh, that I've grown up around great people. Uh, my my late father was a, a extremely dedicated sports fan, and he loved sports. Period, but it's, Football, I'm from a sort of football crazy part of the country. People talk about Texas and Florida and other places, and they deserve their mention. But the Tidewater area of Virginia, per capita, has more than done its work, including guys in the NFL. So, you know, I had two cousins that played at Lafayette High School with Lawrence Taylor. So I got to see Lawrence Taylor growing up. I got to see Bruce Smith when I was on junior varsity at Lake Taylor destroying our, our varsity team. I was like, maybe I don't want to play varsity football. <laughs> um, so I got a chance to see young Allen Iverson, who, if you talk to him now, Bubba Chuck, as we call him back back at home, uh, he'll tell you. He always thought of himself as a football player, right? He, he's, he always thought of himself as a football player. Football was his first love, his favorite sport. So that's part of what sort of the you know origin story and then you add to that, I've always loved storytelling. I've always loved history. And football is a part of America's history, but especially part of Black America's history. Mm -hmm. And so many of our greatest leaders in politics, law, business, right, were football players. Mm -hmm. The first 
black man to have to have control of a company that had over a billion dollars of revenue went to Virginia State on a football scholarship. Reginald F. Lewis, who ran Beatrice until his unfortunate death. Um, Jesse Jackson, Thurgood Marshall, Brud Holland. Uh, I could do a very, very long list. I mean, even even Michael, a.k.a. Martin Luther King, he was actually born Michael and later his name was changed by his father, Martin. Um, you know, wasn't a great player. He messed around a little bit with football. Um, so football is a part of America in a way that, I mean, we love other sports. Don't get me wrong. We love basketball. We love baseball. But, and baseball was, of course, the quote unquote American pastime, but it doesn't mm-hmm. describe America like football does. Sex, violence, money. That's football, <laughs> right? That's football. Baseball is beautiful and pastoral and it connects you to another time and place. Sure. But it's not America now, not America now. Football is. So I've always wanted to get to know what makes people better than other people at it. Right. I've been playing football when I was younger, you know, until I realized oh, this isn't going to happen. Right. I yeah. mean, I really thought I was going to be the next whatever. Like I wanted to be Lynn Swan for a while and then I realized that wasn't going to happen. But uh, but then I got interested with knowing why. Why wasn't I better? Right. And then I started mm-hmm. looking at guys who were good and why were they good? And so by the time I was in my teens, I had notebooks full of my observations wow. of players. And eventually that turned to me writing for a local newspaper uh, when I was still in my teens and became the sports editor while still in my teens. And I started writing NFL teams. Hi, I'm Bill Carroll, the answer newspaper. I didn't tell them my age because I was not an idiot. Um, <laughs> and I'd like to talk to you about blah, blah, blah. And most of them sent back a nice form letter. Keep rooting, youngster, or whatever. Sure. But, but two teams. I actually got a letter from, like an actual letter. And one of them was a handwritten letter from the late, great Bill Nye. And that, you talk about like those pivotal moments, like when Bill Nye wrote me an actual handwritten letter. Right. It took, it took many months because he was busy. But he wrote me back an actual handwritten, which is somewhere in my mother's house. God, I hope. Um, you know, like, unfortunately, I was still in my teens. I didn't realize I should put this up. Right. Yeah, sure. I just left it somewhere in my room and then moved out later when I finished college. So please, mom, don't throw that away. But um, I I became really enamored with a bunch of things. And Bill Nunn was the person, for those who don't know uh, Bill Nunn, uh, he was the son of the man who founded the Pittsburgh Courier, which uh, was one of the most powerful and interesting black newspapers in the United States. And though it was in Pittsburgh, it served basically every part of the United States um, from that wasn't served by New York and Philadelphia black owned newspapers all the way to you got to the Cleveland black owned newspapers and all the way down into parts of Kentucky. It was a very influential paper throughout even parts of the Midwest till you got to like Chicago defender territory and Chicago defender, you know, took the rest of the Midwest. You got to about Detroit and then down to the South where you couldn't have black owned newspapers for reasons we can't get into on a show. But, um, but he was um, a friend of a bunch of guys that he went to school with and started writing for his father's newspaper, obviously, because that's why you have a father with a newspaper. You have a job waiting for you. And he used to do their All-Americans, their Black All-Americans. And he finally had lunch with uh, Dan Rooney. And Dan Rooney had noticed that he'd been taking the Steelers to task. And he finally said, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't know any of these players. Well, he said, get to know them. And he said, well, could you do it for me, basically? And he hires Bill Nunn as the first, well, first slash second. Uh, first, it, it's a, it gets complicated, but Lowell Perry also had sort of scouted for the Steelers as well. But depending on which one you want to give credit to, either Lowell Perry or Bill Nunn broke the color line in scouting in the NFL. And there should be some more things named for Bill Nunn. 
uh, especially encouraging, you know, young people and especially young people of color to get involved in the other parts of football. But that's once again another show. Okay, so uh, spin forward a few years. Websites, well, BBSs, right? The old BBS is coming to me. Right. <clears throat> I start throwing up my little thoughts on those and getting into fights with people on the internet. You know, you know how that is. And then, um, then websites, scouting websites come along. And at first, I'm just one of the guys <clears throat> like posting in the comments section. And a young a man named Steve Martin says, "Who are you?" Right? And almost like almost like semi-accusatory. Like he's, <laughs> and it's like, what do you mean? It's like your stuff's too good. Like he's like accusing me of something. Right. Um, and then finally, he's, you know, he says, you know, <clears throat> show me more of your stuff. And I sent him some more stuff. I was like, do you want to want to work for us? And I was like, uh, yeah, because I didn't even know what that meant at the time. Right. Um, sure. And I had briefly been a graduate assistant at Illinois. So I'd been around a little bit around the real side of football, um, seeing what Coach Lou Tepper looked look for in linebackers and seeing what Coach McAvick liked in receivers and offensive linemen and quarterbacks. And so I had a little bit of an inkling of idea what scouting kind of should look like. But I've learned so much since then. I was wrong about so many things. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I started – churning out my first real scouting reports. And then I started being around NFL scouts and seeing what they did. And I got to be around at one point, the, the late great CEO Brancato, somebody else there should be named things named for the super scout as he used to call him. And I started to see what he did and how he did it. And I would sort of steal because that's how you get better. I'd steal from this person, steal from that person. And eventually I got to the point where I, I felt good enough about what I was doing that I would show it, show it to people. And I've been showing my stuff to people ever since. And sometimes they hate it. Sometimes they love it. But I'm also a bit of a football historian, particularly black football history. So right. if, you're into, if you're into that, uh, if you click on either the hashtag black football history or black football history month, you'll see years of stuff that I've written about black football history. And that's how we get to you and me here today. Yeah. And I was going to follow it up and I'm glad you hit it there because, you know, uh, to put it in general terms, people with my uh, level of melanin, uh, can learn a lot from you uh, all year round, but especially in February, especially uh, during Black. I, I love following you during Black History Month because not just football, but a lot of football stuff that I, you know, a, as an avid football fan, didn't even right. know. So it's fascinating. Uh, so yeah. again, uh, not just for draft stuff, but for all kinds of stuff. Uh, Bill's genuinely a great person. If you're not following him, you're not doing it right. Uh, let's talk about the event. I know yes. people that tuned in, they want to Please. talk about the prospects and everything, but real quick, I want to lay a groundwork. Um, the, the big combine, the NFL combine is coming up, but the, the HBCU combine and the HBCU legacy bowl, I don't know if that's technically considered two separate events or if it's all they, one. They are technically considered two separate events, but those that got invited. So not, not everyone who invited to the HBCU Combine got invited to the Legacy Bowl, but everyone who got invited to the Legacy Bowl could also participate in the Combine. If that okay, happened. okay. Well, I know there are scores and scores of people that took this from, uh, you know, conceptual idea phase to actually happening. But if you had to pick, I don't know, two or three names sure. that say it does not happen without this guy and this yeah. guy or this girl or, you know, whoever yeah. it is, who's most responsible? Who, not responsible. I don't know who's most, who gets the most credit. So I'll give you the, the parents and then the midwife, I guess, if you want to put it in those terms. <laughs> um, I wish I thought that analogy through, but well, we're here now. Um, so James Shaq Harris, who once again, another person that I don't think people give enough credit to historically uh, was one of the great early black pro quarterbacks. And was the first black quarterback to be elected to a Pro Bowl, the first one to be a Pro Bowl MVP. 
And he should have had a very different career from the career he had. But once again, that's for another show. Uh, and then, of course, Doug Williams, right? Th- those two guys obviously connected by a bunch of things historically and grambling and a bunch of other things. Uh, Shaq Harris was one that said, we need to have more, right? And mm-hmm. there have been little attempts in the past, and they usually have been small and short-lived. Mm-hmm. He wanted something that could be sustained and that would grow and get bigger and better. And so James Harris, Jack Harris talks to Doug Williams. Doug Williams makes calls and people pick up the phone when Doug Williams calls. And one of the people he called was Patrick Lamont Mahomes. And at that point, you know, the snowball comes rolling down the hill a little faster when you got Pat Mahomes on board. Of course. And now when everybody's ears kind of go bing. And so there's lots of NFL players that then sort of got involved at that point. And a bunch of black college hall of famers got involved. When I went to the event, Mel Blunt was there. I mean, there was a list of, oh, awesome. I, I urge anyone who's a really serious football fan, please go. Uh, it's a great time. It's an event that is still small enough now, if you hurry for the next couple, where you'll get a chance to like literally walk up to Mel Blunt and say, can I take a picture with you? That right. won't last forever. So right. take advantage of it now. But um those three particularly, I think, deserve a great lot of credit. And to his credit, Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl also said, we want to help in every way that we can. So um, I would say those three first, and then and Jim sort of lent, lent a helping hand, and a bunch of others. Like, there's so many others that, you know, it would take the rest of the show, so I won't sure. do it. But those three particularly, and then Jim as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, also, I don't know if it's going to stay there every year, but having been to the Big Easy a few times, it's hard to not have fun. Uh, there, there's plenty the people talk about, Oh, the, the shrine game and the NFL draft in Vegas, these guys are going to get in trouble. There's plenty of trouble to get into in new Orleans too. So, uh, you know, a lot of these kids probably had never been there before. So, yeah. uh, but from what I heard, everybody was, you know, there was no incident. There were no like problems. That, but um, you no to go to a serious injuries. You guys got nicked up a little bit, but it, it was a, it went very well. Yeah. Uh, there were a few little things that'll be, you know, improved as time goes on. But I, I think that it, the needle to me is very much pointed up for the HBC legacy bowl. Now, obviously, um, the I, I think most people watching who pay even a little bit of attention to college football know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I want to get your thoughts uh, on it. Obviously, it's not like 30, 35 years ago before the internet where you, you and I remember you had to stick a VHS tape and mail it and hope that somebody took the time to sit down and watch it with the advent of the internet. These kids graduating today, they've grown up with it. They know how to get their name out there, get in contact. It's a little more accessible, but for these HBCU programs, and not just the players, but for the programs themselves, who just lack the exposure, or, uh, the facilities, the, the, the funding to get on the national stage like the Alabamas and the Ohio States, obviously, how big of an impact this year and moving forward does this event, is it going to have on those facilities and those kids and their families? Well, it's huge for several reasons because they also had a job fair. Um, for people that are interested in trying to find a career, not just all in sports, but but they did talk to young people who wanted to be involved, HBCU students who wanted to try to get involved in sports and other things as well, marketing, a bunch of things. They had a job fair. A lot of the coaches that were there got to meet with NFL people and talk to them. That's huge. So it's going to be absolutely huge. And if it continues on and can just get bigger and better, it's going to change, you know, very literally, I guess, the face of the NFL. Uh, because even though, as you know, there's loads and loads and loads of obviously players who are black, there's still a challenge to try to increase the talent pool in the front offices and other parts of the league. 
And this is a way to, to improve that. So I think it's incredibly important. Yeah, uh, it, it was a fa- it looked like a fantastic event and I would have loved yep. to have gone. Um, I, I've been you know, I'm still fighting off. You can probably hear I'm still fighting off the end of the covid. Uh, yep. So it is what it is. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to give you the forum there to explain to, yep. you know, again, people who look like me, they probably don't know what it means to some of these kids because, you know, they, they just don't have the opportunities. Sure. I mean, it's everything because when you have an opportunity and that's one thing I'll say about every single <clears throat> young man I met there, they all understood how big a deal it was. There was nobody who was like eh. every single one of them. Some of them had even studied a little bit. Like they wanted to make sure they knew some of them didn't always know who, Jack, who, who Shaq Harris was at first, but they made, they learned, right. They, a lot of them had started studying, the history of, and once again, kids, kids who go, young men, young men, who go to HBCUs, even if they didn't know much about them before, soon get, you know, steeped in the culture. Sure. And even guys who were, who transferred in for just a family like Antoine Collier from UCF, you could see him starting to get into the rivalries and getting into the history as well. So it's, it's a lifestyle, basically. Sure. Sure. Okay. Now, um, I I brought you on to talk about specific prospects. Our audience are all Browns fans. So we tried to whittle it down to some of the positions that we we all think that Andrew Barry is going to be targeting. And some of the guys from the HBCU Combine and Legacy Bowl who showed well, had good seasons, uh, maybe drafted, maybe priority UDFA, those kinds of things. But some guys that uh, we all think, or at least you and I talked about and and think might be on their radar. Uh, I'm going to start we had one quarterback out of the group that we thought might be, and yeah. quarterback is always easy for everybody to get interested in and talk about, and that is, <clears throat> excuse me, Akil Glass from Alabama a and I'll go over just the basic stats, and then you sure. can tell me what you liked about him. I mean, this year alone, thir- over 3,600 yards, almost uh, 63% uh, completion rate, 36 touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions, and a, and a passing grade of over 90. If you're unfamiliar with the uh, PFF's grading system, 90 is, to put it blunt, bluntly, pretty freaking good uh, in any category. And when you're a quarterback, it, it, it's even more impressive. I don't care about, you know, the, the level of competition that people are going to bring up and all that kind of stuff. 6'5", 215, uh, almost impossible to bring down in the backfield. He can run. I mean, it's part of his game, but he's not – what I liked about him and what I've seen is that when he does move around, he keeps his eyes downfield right. until the last possible second. So – uh, tell me what you like about him in general, how he looked yeah. uh, during the week, during practices, yeah. how he looked in the game and all that stuff about Akil Glass. So here's the things that, that stand out. One, intelligence. He's a very smart football player. And there's a couple of terms that everyone's started adopting in scouting. So I guess I'll use them too. Uh, layering and feathering, right? <clears throat> so when you hear the people talk about Billy to layer the ball and feather the ball, that means that you're looking at a field where there's, you know, players at different depths of the field who are going to try to interfere with your ability to complete this pass. And so there's usually a dropping linebacker that you need to clear, but you also have to get it down before a safety comes and tries to turn the lights out on your receiver. And he shows that ability to do that. And you just saw also his deep ball placement, which is, which is well above average. Mm -hmm. Um, He's now up to 232 pounds. I talked to him. Uh, He's been, yeah, he's been in the lab. He's, he's been working on his body. Uh, so yeah, he, he's put on some good weight. Um, he, he's still working hard. He's a, he's a hard worker. He's a guy that really (laughs) understands what it's going to take. Uh, if you're looking for sort of a a guy he could be or comparisons or, or 
you know, sort of things that give you an idea of what, what he could eventually be down the road. Uh, think of a more athletic version of Matt Schaub, right? Um, he He's not going to ever kill you with his legs, as you said, but can he extend plays? Yes. Right. Is he a guy who has an understanding of the game that if he, even if he becomes a full-time starter, if he, if these guys can be prepared, if your starter goes down for five games, will you go four and one and three and two? Yes. Right. Uh, he's going to be on an NFL roster. Mm-hmm. Like I feel incredibly confident in saying this. Will he be an NFL starter? I mean, there's so much that goes into that. I can't guarantee you that. Sure. But if you've watched him as long as I've watched him, I, mean, I liked him last year. I liked him the year before that, in fact, but he's continued to improve. Um, and you see him being able to throw guys open. You see him understanding, uh, you know, when and how to even throw, it looks like a bad ball to take a guy away from a hard hit or what you might say is, or even just, uh, you know, an, a, an interception uh, or to avoid an interception by making an incompletion. Incompletions are better than interceptions. Right. So he'll put a ball where <clears throat> his guy can almost get it. So it doesn't like grounding but where nobody's going to catch it. Uh, he still can like right grow there. in certain areas. Like he definitely uh, could work a little bit on getting through his reads a little bit faster, but every young quarterback can improve at that. Sure. And I'd like to see him maybe speed his feet up a tiny bit as well. Like we said, he's a decent athlete, but he's not, he, you know, he's not the quote unquote typewriter feet, right? He doesn't have the Drew Brees feet mm-hmm. where he can reset instantaneously. Um, but that's something you work on. That's you're not born with that. You work on that. But I, I like him a lot, and I think somewhere, maybe as early as the fifth round, but I think sixth round most likely. I don't think he gets out of the seventh, but I think fifth, sixth is probably where he goes off the board. And to a team that probably sees him as a developmental backup type, sure. but with some starter potential. Yeah, uh, I, and that was going to be my next question. Do you see him as a as a late day three guy? Or do you think there's a chance he could slip into the priority UDFA? And and one more follow-up on him. Um, we always talk about translatable traits, not just for quarterbacks, but for every position. Yeah, he does this great at the college level, but does that matter when he gets to the next level? If you had to pick two or three of his what you think are his most translatable traits, what what do you what what would you say about a keel glass? Well, the first one is natural accuracy. Mm-hmm. Every single good or even average quarterback in the NFL has accuracy. Like if you're a guy that can't consistently put the ball where it needs to be you won't last in camp you'll be gone you know you'll be gone with the first cut well now i guess it all is the first cut nowadays right but uh that's that's where being old (laughs) works against you but um uh like i said football iq he he's played a lot of football he understands football there's not a concept you're gonna throw at him where he's gonna be like what no i mean he's going to get your playbook and understand it fairly quickly that is always going to give you a chance to hang around and then last but not least even though we now have embraced the smaller quarterback he's full-sized he's he's a full-grown quarterback he's got broad shoulders long arms big hands a strong arm i mean he's a big dude and there are teams that still like that i know we've warmed up uh to the smaller quarterbacks and finally on that one but there are a bunch of teams that still like you know guys were an axe handle wide and and three axe handles high and he's one of those yeah, sure. And, you know, I mean, if nothing else, you can he's he's like a linebacker size if he's over 230, like you said. So yeah, he's, he's, he's put on some good weight. Yeah, he's worked <laughs> on his body. I, I would not mess with him. Let me put it that way. I don't I don't think there's anybody in the NFL that not even the kickers. I wouldn't even mess with those guys, but especially not a guy his size. OK, uh, a kill glass, somebody for the Browns fans watching. Uh, to, and if you guys have questions, go ahead and, sh- and, and pop them in the chat there. I, I, Bill is great at answering questions and I'd love to have 
uh, hear what you guys want to know. Let's move on to another position that, especially in Cleveland this year, has basically dominated the talk outside of Baker Mayfield talk, and that's the wide receiver room. Yep. We all know the issues that went on in there. I'm not going to get into all of it. We know the, the, the amount of money that's in there that's probably going to be leaving soon. They need some help. They need to add uh, uh, multiple weapons, whether it be in free agency, the draft, or, or you know, in the UDFA world. And there's a couple of guys that I wanted to talk about. The first, uh, from Delaware State, uh, Trey Gross. Now, there's a couple of guys in this class, uh, Drake London, Christian Watson. These guys are 6'4", 6'5", 200, 210, and they move very well. Yep. This guy is basically a clone of them physically. Maybe not runs quite, maybe doesn't run quite as fast, no. but he's certainly not slow. Uh, just real quick, I'll go over his stats and then you because because he had a he, I saw several articles that picked him out. He had a particularly impressive week. Yeah. Uh, 635 yards this year, uh, caught 70% of his balls, 13 touchdowns, uh, and has versatility. 62% of his uh, snaps were wide, the rest of them were in the slot. So even though he's, he's got a prototypical X type body. He has the ability to move around and do some different things for you. Uh, so tell us what you liked about uh, uh, Trey Gross from Delaware State, how he looked during the week, how his interviews went, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think his NFL role is the power slot, right? Um, the Anquan Bolden type player. He's a possession receiver. He is fearless. He will go any place to catch a football. Uh, and despite his size, he has really good body control. He's, he runs good routes, uh, big, strong hands. In fact, it was a really big receiver group, Stephen. There, mm-hmm. there was only two receivers that weren't 6'2 of the whole group there. 6'2 and up. The tallest was D. Anderson, who came in at 6'5 and three quarters and 224. But it was a big bunch of receivers. 6'2, 6'3, 6'4, a big, big bunch of receivers. And Gross is right there in the in the mix. But yeah, classic possession guy. He, I think he's either a power slot or a, a possession Z. And like I said, Pretty decent after the catch, but I think his his main thing is he knows how to wall off defenders. You know, he's a guy that understands his how big he is, right? And how to he just saw saw there. He understands leverage. He understands how to uh the Michael Irvin chicken wing, right? To create that little bit of sure. space. <laughs> oh, he's got that. He's got that in his game. He knows how to create that, that little bit of space with that little budge um that doesn't get called, which is the important thing, right? Doesn't get called. Not so, a penalty if the ref doesn't throw a flag, man. It's not a penalty if the ref doesn't throw a flag, exactly. <laughs> and there you go. Another example of that, that that the he can catch the ball outside of his frame. The body control is right. impressive. He has good body control and catch the ball outside of his frame. So there's a place for guys like him. And I think when he gets a chance to run under better conditions, the HBC Combine was unfortunately on a very <laughs> cold day. And they didn't have like warming, you know, uh, facilities so the guys could really, really get warmed up. Some of the guys you could tell were a little bit still tight uh, when they worked out. So I think everybody's times that were from the combine, the HBCU combine, will improve the next time they run under slightly better conditions. There you go. Another example of, of his, his body control. He's he's a really smooth mover for a guy his size, and he doesn't let the defensive back get back into the play. Once he's walled you off, that's it. Grand opening, grand closing. You might as well, you know, just go ahead and, you know, make arrangements for the next play because you're not getting back in. He doesn't believe in letting you get back into the play. So that's what I would say. He's a terrific possession type. And he has a little more after the catch than some – he's not a red zone only guy. Right, uh, right, he can, right, He can catch the ball and do some things with it also, even on slants and stuff like that. But he's not a, he's not a burner. 
So he's going to be a guy, like I said, uh, possession Z or, or power slot. Um, as far as Trey Gross, uh, we talked about traits before. I'm going to bring it up on pretty much every guy that we're, we're sure. talking about here. Give me one. Give me what you think his best uh, trait is, and then give me something that he absolutely has to improve on if he's going to yep. stick uh, at, at least on a practice squad, if not yep. on a 53. Uh, so the, the big thing, the number one thing that I think stands out, like I said, is he's a really good ball tracker. And he will do whatever it takes with his body to get to the football. And even with defenders, you know, steaming towards him, he'll lay out. He's, he has no fear. Uh, it's, it's really quite impressive because he's taking some shots, but partially because he's such a big guy, he doesn't seem to bother as much as maybe right. some other receivers. But he, <laughs> he, he will, he will, he will dive. He will lay out. He will, you know, you know, those, those, those things where it's just, I mean, he's concentrates fully on the ball. He concentrates fully on the football. He's not a guy you'll ever see short arm. You'll never, you'll never see him get, you know, the eyes come off the ball. They'll look down as he was coming. He doesn't care. Completely concentrates on the football. Uh, things he needs to work on, quickness and speed. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are related, but not the same. Uh, you can improve by technique your, your long speed a little bit. But quickness is something you, you, you sort of train yourself neuro – not to get into the science of it, but you can train to a certain extent parts of your brain to fire faster mm-hmm. so that you become quicker. Uh, but I think if he works on quickness and speed, he'll push himself up a little bit. He's probably a priority undrafted free agent, but he can be a very priority undrafted free agent if he has a better pro day than he did at the HBC Combine and pushes himself up and sort of showing he has a little more get up and go than maybe people might think right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, we should note, uh, because uh, the people that watch uh, know that I am one of the flag bearers for the age guardrail, uh, and uh, I take untold amounts of hate for it. Like, oh, like I know too much, in my in my opinion, but it's not mine. I didn't make it up, guys. You know, I'm just, I'm just telling you what, 
what they do. But uh, a lot of these guys are a little older, as it is with the rest of the class. You and I were talking about that uh, uh, off air. It's not just an HBCU prospect thing. Right. This is an older class. We know yeah. that. So if there's a year that they're going to break or bend the age guardrail, especially the later you get into day three, this might be. I still think they're going to try to stick to it as much as they can, but they might. And a lot of these guys that we're talking about are a little bit over the age guardrail. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to throw that yeah. out there for, for our viewers. Because and they know and how some of these conferences shut down entirely, it. in fact, for the COVID right. year. Right. So some of these guys didn't have the opportunity to play for an entire year. And so it's tough. Like nobody prepared for this, right? So you're going right. to have to deal with some of those challenges. You yeah, know. absolutely. Kevin Cycle, uh, one of our regulars. Thanks for being here. You can never have too many I, I, wide receivers and corners. You know, get athletic guys, get them into camp every year, every single year. We hear about three to five guys nobody's ever heard of. They get on like a, 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 a mini camp invite, like, like where they yep. have to pay for their own hotel room. And then week four, they're starting somewhere. It happens yep. every single year. So absolutely. Again this year too, I promise. Yeah, always, always. Now, the next guy, I'm not even going to do any leading on him because I went back and watched the interview that we had uh, back in, uh, I think it was in October when you were on my Saturday morning show. Fantastic interview. Um, and this is one of the guys you wanted to talk about, and we ran out of time, and that's Shamar Bridges. Uh, talk about big guys. You were just saying – uh, how um, there so was a bunch I of I have his official there. height and weight from the HPC combine. He Go for three, it. Came in at 6'4 and 3'8, 207 pounds. And you can see that he's going to gain weight like that. <laughs> Another guy that you can tell nutrition and, and weight training, so he's got a lot of space on that frame. There's mm-hmm. a lot of room on his frame to get bigger. And he ran one of the better times, for, especially for a big receiver at the HBC combine. He ran a 4'5'3 and a 4'5'7. Those are fantastic times, um, right. especially for that, that size, size and under huge. tough conditions. Yeah. So I think that under better conditions, he might even be able to crack four or five. Mm-hmm. So he's he's potentially very special. And he's got special teams potential, too. He's a guy that has some special teams experience. And look at that. Like a double move like oh, that from a guy his size. You don't subtle. see that every day. Yeah. You don't see that every day. Uh, and once again, look at the fight to try to get him to the ground. He's going to be trouble. Uh, if some team gets him as an undrafted free agent, first of all, congratulations. But I, <laughs> frankly, I would draft. To me, to me, he's a draftable player, even in this class. And look, once again, look at the movement skills on a guy that size. Look at the change of direction, right, on a guy that size. Right. And he never looks like he's going fast because his his legs are, you know, like thirty seven inch inseam or whatever. Right. But he's eating up some ground. Uh, you know. Just, he, he's not ever getting caught from behind and mm-hmm. he's leaving people consistently. Um, so the things that you like about it, well, height, weight, speed, right? There's, that's, there's that right away. Sure. But another guy who has really good concentration, really good hands, you know, very, very few drops, even when he's in um, like really sort of congested, like that one, right? He, I mean, even when he's really congested, conflicted space, he comes up with the ball, I don't know, 88 probably percent. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I didn't look up numbers, but I didn't see many drops and I've watched a lot of Shamar Bridges. Yeah. That, uh, that, that uh, rep we, that you were just talking about, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was somebody ran the wrong route. Cause I don't, I'm not a genius as far as scheme, but I doubt two guys tripping over each other was in the playbook. But the fact that he found a made way to make it work, I think is absolutely a point in his favor. Right. Right. And, and that's the one, you know, we're not going to talk too much X's and O's, but when you go up tempo, 
there's an advantage, right? You're tiring up the defense. You're getting less time to adjust. <laughs> the disadvantage is not everybody gets the call all the time. Sure. <laughs> and so when there's a, a slight adjust or whatever, somebody maybe did. Somebody says Seattle, Seattle. I'm already out at my position. Didn't quite hear it. The band is in my ear. Who knows, right? And so I'm running you know, a, a basic cross instead of you wanted me to run a post and now, oh, what are you doing here? Right. But, you know, so it <laughs> happens all the time uh, in up-tempo particularly. A few other things I want to point out about Shamar. Uh, a willing blocker and this, oh, we got, okay, I, I got to let you see, watch this catch. Yeah. Look at the adjustment he made late, right? That ball was supposed to come Another to one, his yeah. front side. He spins around and manages to catch it over his other shoulder. Like that's, I don't, I, I don't know how many people have played wide receiver here before. I very briefly till they realize that that's not going to happen. And I played <laughs> defensive back the rest of my <laughs> brief and not very good football career. But uh, that's almost impossible to do. And when you can, when you add in the fact that he's a long person, there's a mm-hmm. lot of him to turn that that's an off the charts, good football play. He just made. And so we talk about level of competition. If he did that in practice, it would be impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if there's nobody else around sure. you, you do that, let alone someone covering you. So the guy that uh, that I sort of think of, and of course, a another Fort Valley State guy. In fact, my favorite Fort Valley State receiver until Shamar came along was Ricardo Lockett, who unfortunately, you know, suffered a serious uh, neck injury right. and had to shorten his career. But he was this guy who was started as a special teamer. He eventually worked his way up to about wide receiver three, wide receiver four. For the Seattle Seahawks, it was part of that ill-fated attempted pick play in the Super Bowl that everyone, mm-hmm. of course, will always remember for their entire lives. But he's not quite as fast as Ricardo. Because Ricardo was a winner and two-meter sprint champion at Division II level um, and was an All-American track and field guy. Shamar is fast for a guy's size. He's not Ricardo Lockett fast. But he has a lot of Ricardo's uh, other qualities. Tough, can block, will help you on special teams. I'm very confident that he's going to make a team. And once again, I would draft it. Like I wouldn't let him go undrafted because then I get a bid, you know, now you got to fight. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Quick shout out to the chat. And then I want to follow up on something. Uh, I wanted to thank crash override three thirty six months in a row subscribed and he did it with Amazon prime. If you guys are looking in the chat, you can see it. That means he has subscribed with nothing out of his pocket. Absolutely nothing. Go to the first link that I put in the very top of the chat. If you have Amazon prime, it takes, two minutes or something like that to go ahead and set that up, take a couple of bucks out of Jeff Bezos's pocket. Trust me, he can spare it and throw it to us. And we can continue to give you guys uh, the best Browns coverage in Cleveland. As far as I'm concerned now uh, for Shamar and for Trey also uh, a lot of the talk uh, because of, I'm sure you, you, I mean, who missed the Baker Odell? That old hold did he run the wrong? Was there a problem he, with Baker and Odell? Did yeah, I mean, I, there was a some there was a tweet of, like six months ago. I don't know something like that. Anyway, um, but one of the the topics was was he running the wrong routes? Was he precise? Was he where that he he wanted to be? And in an offense like the one Kevin Stefanski runs, I mean, in any offense really, but especially in one like Kev, the one Stefanski runs, timing precision. You know, if yeah. it's an eight and a half yard out. You better not run it at nine yards. Now, these guys, uh, a, a lot of young players, especially if they're physically gifted, they can just out-athlete the guys at the college level. Uh, how is their route running? How, how crisp is it? Obviously, most college prospects need to work on it a bit when they yep. come out. But how are these guys at, at a level where that's going to be a big so, issue or just something they need coached up on? I was, I, well, I think, once again, you said almost everyone can work on it. But I was with – once again, it's a very tall bunch. And – 
Shamar, for his height, is an exceptional route runner. A kid named Joshua Bridges from uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Another guy's over six foot two. I was astonished by how clean his routes were. Uh, so is there still work to be done? Of course. And there's certain routes that some of these guys didn't even run in college. Like you sure. run, especially in these up-tempo offenses, you're running probably four or five routes. And you have maybe a double move off of a couple of them. But there's some routes you, you may have not you may have not run a single, you know, uh shake route like post corner post in your entire career mm -hmm. till you get to an NFL camp. Uh so what I will say is there wasn't a single guy there who I didn't think could improve, even the tallest guy there, D. Anderson, six five and three quarters, two twenty-four, was still a pretty pretty darn good route runner. I was <laughs> none of them were poor route runners. Okay. Um and I would say the other surprisingly good route runner was one of the tight ends, Isaiah Macklin. Now he's an undersized tight end, but he's a very impressive route runner. Okay. Uh, let's move to the other side of the ball um, because there's a couple of guys. Uh, one we talked about when you were on. Uh, matter of fact, let's start with him. Uh, Jacoby Durant, South Carolina State. Yeah. Um, I still have been unable to locate an exact birth date. Pretty sure. He's outside the guardrail. But again, like we said before, this year, who knows? We don't know, especially right. uh, later on day three. Uh, Jacoby Durant uh, just, I mean, he's one of those guys that if you're just talking with your buddies, he's a dog, man. And yes. he's just, just a shade under six foot, 180, 185. His coverage grade <clears throat> this past year was an even 80. Uh, and last year in 2020, uh, it was a 90.9, 86.4 the year before that. So the dude is glue. He's absolute glue when he locked, uh, when he latches on to you. Um, so uh, I'm just going to give you the floor. What do you like about the Kobe? Where do you see him playing? Is he inside? Is he outside? Can he do both? And uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so in answer to where do you play him? Yes. Play him. Figure it out. Um, <laughs> he, he, uh, he could play nickel. He could play outside. He could play free safety. Uh, he has, once again, another guy with great versatility because he knows football. Guys who really understand football. I mean, I'm not comparing him to Ronnie Lott because you should never compare anyone to Ronnie Lott. Right. <laughs> but what he has in common with a guy like Ronnie Lott is that he's tough enough and strong enough that he can come down and hit people. And they have been hit when he hits them. Yes. Um, and he has ball skills, as you're seeing here. He has coverage ability. He can play in zone. He can play in man. He knows how to, you know, be used in trap coverage. That's a reaction play, right, against Clemson, playing up in competition. Mm -hmm. uh, really good hands, right? Uh, a lot of times people make jokes about defensive backs' hands, hands like feet and all that kind of stuff. Not not Jacoby. Jacoby can snatch the ball out of the air, as you just saw there, like, like no problem, right? I've seen him snatch balls, you know, where he has to adjust pretty precipitously and late, to, and he gets them there. And there he is as a blitzer, right? And that's uh, Akil <laughs> making his acquaintance right there. Right. Uh, hello there, Mr. Glass. So he's played against some really, really good quarterbacks, including, like, again, we, got, we just talked about, and there he is once again, using leverage, muscling, right? Out-muscling a receiver. Uh, the receiver initially had better, can, better position, and he was like, nope, I'm taking the – inside position away from you right uh so strength intelligence i think he probably runs in the low four or fives i mean once again i will we'll all be finding out that out together but there's a so much to like about him there's it's hard to find real weaknesses in his game to be perfectly honest uh 
Could he be bigger? Could he be faster? Sure. But, I mean, not much you can do about that. Uh, yeah, you can't coach tall. It's all, the things, coach tall. all the things that he can control, he's done a pretty good job of controlling. I, I Once again, a guy that, for me, could go as early as the late fifth round. And if he has a great pro day, maybe even a little earlier. You know, I mean, once again, that look at that interception. I mean, what else do you want me to say? Hey, how how does he get back into position? He's walled off, d- decides he's not going to accept that, and propels himself, leaves his right. feet, reaches across the body of the receiver without touching the receiver, doesn't lay a finger on the receiver, snatches the ball out of the air. Yeah, I am uh, by no means an expert in corner technique, but he seems to have it like like he does. He's worked on it so much he doesn't even have to think about it. It just comes naturally. And you brought up something uh, that not just for corners, but for everybody, especially when you talk about these smaller school guys. One of the questions is how did he do against the top competition on the schedule? How did he perform if they played up? If they played in Alabama, even if they got beat sixty-eight to four, how did he do? And you look at his game against Clemson this year. Guy had two picks. Two picks against Clemson. Now, Clemson obviously wasn't the Clemson of the last five years. We all know that. But they're still freaking Clemson. And he had two picks and two other pass breakups in that game. So, I, uh, Kobe Durant, if he's around, like you said, in the late fifth or into the sixth or somehow into the seventh, I would have abs- – and the Browns' corner room is stacked. It's not like they need a corner, but I would have no problem adding that guy. Yep. Yeah, I, I think he's going to – once again, <clears throat> of the guys we're talking about, he's maybe the – Second most, I'm confident, like definitely sticking on a roster. Mm-hmm. Like there's a couple of guys where it's borderline. I can't see him not sticking on a 53-man roster. I, right. I, it's, I can't imagine that he wouldn't make a team. Yeah, at least as a, at least as a depth piece. Even yes. if he never becomes a starter, at least as a depth piece. Right. I'm going to go Very ahead and many. bring in um, uh, my colleague, Jake Burns. Uh, apparently, you got the, uh, the two-foot terrorist in your house to go to sleep. So uh, we appreciate that. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> I th- thank you. I wait, my wife won't tell me that. I'm trying to get some more of those around here. <laughs> Bill, what's up, man? It's nice to uh nice to spend some time. Thanks for thanks for joining everything we do here at the OBR like this, man. Appreciate it. My you. pleasure. Let's move on. Uh we're gonna stay at corner though. We're gonna move on to another guy. Can I fire uh, one, Steve? I'm yeah, late. Can I it. fire one? Yeah. I just want to know, and maybe you've asked this, Steve. You guys have gone through some people. Steve Steve sent me over his list of guys ahead of time. Who do you like as a Cleveland Brown from this year's group? Like, is there a guy you look at and you're like, whoo, I know what Joe Woods does on defense. I know how Stefanski runs offense. And I would love that guy in Cleveland if it could work out. Okay. So we talked about one of them already. Shamar Moore is nice. a big athletic receiver who I think when more people see him, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll get a little bit of buzz on him. Um, I mean, his body control because he he's he's beating guys with double moves and he's six four and three eights. Um, that's you don't see that every day from guys built like Shamar. Um, so that's a guy I think has a shot um, because the Browns have receivers obviously, but none of them look like Shamar Moore. Um, Shamar Shamar Moore. Sorry, sure. No, not him. Uh, Shamar Shamar Bridges. None of them look like Shamar Bridges. You don't well, have none of them look like Shamar Moore either. Right, I mean, another like Shamar factual, Moore, either, right? True, exactly. Yeah, but I mean Shamar Bridges is. A guy who's got not Mike Evans' speed. Don't get me I'm not going crazy, but but he's you're talking about a guy with that kind of frame, and he's going to put on, you know, twelve pounds in a matter of days when he gets into a, a weight training and, and a nutrition program. Uh, we just talked about another one. Just 
you timed it pretty much perfectly. <laughs> Even though you may not have a desperate need at corner or nickel, you've got to kick the tires on a kid like Jacoby Durant uh, because he's he's a complete player. He's smart. He's tough. He's athletic. He's position versatile, scheme versatile, and he's a ball magnet. Like getting the ball back, I don't care what else a guy can do. If a defensive back can give me – five six seven extra possessions by getting the ball back each year i'll make i'll find room on for my my roster for a guy that gets the ball back uh and then one other one i'll talk about since since, uh, we haven't gotten to him yet but we'll we'll sort of get to him now now once again i want to make it clear uh, i do have a bias i did go to norfolk state i was a student athlete there but leaving my bias aside ask anybody who was at the hbcu legacy bowl and everybody was running their mouth and jotting notes uh, about Deshaun Dixon and his pass rush arsenal. I mean, this is a guy you can tell he's really put in the work and shout out to Chuck Smith. Um, Chuck Smith knows what he's doing, man. Uh, Deshaun has been putting in work and it showed he was at one point, he was just embarrassing cats. I mean, they had to pull him out of the, out of the one-on-one line uh, because he was ruining things. I mean, guys couldn't get work done. Uh, he was beating too many guys and beating them too quickly. Uh, six four two fifty one. Yeah. And once again, if you want him to get to two seventy, I, I stood right next to him. There's plenty of room on his frame. Right. He's a thin two fifty one. I know it sounds funny to say that, but mm-hmm. he is a thin two fifty one. If you want to know who he could be, Shaquille Barrett, Jason Gildon. Um, like that kind of guy. He could be that kind of guy. When he gets stronger, and he's strong, but he's got so much more room to get stronger. It's it's a little scary how much better he could be. He improved dramatically. Now, it was a shortened season. Well, actually, he didn't play at all, sorry, in 2020. But in 2019, his last full season, he had four and a half sacks and still, you know, uh, I think seven tackles for loss. But he bounces back this year, doubles his sacks, mm-hmm. doubles his tackles for loss, he was an animal this year. And then, you know, think despite, instead of resting on his laurels, he kept working and working. And his partner's crime, Chris Myers, the other D-end, he's no fun to play against either. He's just more of a base guy. Like, he's strong, not quite as twitchy, not quite as slippery. But Deshaun can beat you with speed to power. He can long arm you. He can chop and rip. He can stab and rip. He can cross chop, double hand swipe, single hand swipe. I mean, he's got a, yeah. pretty much – the only thing I didn't see was a spin. I saw pretty much every pass rush move, but a spin. Yeah, let me ask you this: Is he is he twenty three? Is he a, he's a little older, right? They're all older. We talked about okay. that. Okay, um, the COVID Sorry, year means that all these guys. With yeah. We talked about Joshua Williams on the other show. With okay. the exception of Joshua Williams, everybody we talked about, unfortunately, is is going to be a little bit over the line. So let me ask you this: it, it seems like again, it seems like most people are trending young as often as they can. Now this is a weird draft. Right. Do you think someone like Deshaun? can overcome that age issue and be a drafted player here? Like he'll be, he'll be drafted. I mean, okay. unless he has a terrible pro day, and I don't think yeah. he's going to have a terrible pro day. Okay. There's enough buzz. I mean, I'm not going to name any teams, but it rhymes with hiking. Uh, oh, one of their yeah. scouts almost <laughs> visibly drooled while watching Deshaun's <laughs> reps. So I, okay. I, I have a – I mean – Obviously, anything can happen, but I don't see him going undrafted unless he has a spectacularly terrible pro day. 
Good yeah, his uh, his basic numbers, I'll just read them off. 33 total pressures this year, uh, 18 hurries, seven quarterback hits, eight sacks. I mean, you know, his, his pass rush grades in the 70s, his tackling grade is almost near 80, which is huge. Uh, we've had a, a years of, uh, of poor tackling in Cleveland that we're trying to get past. So, you know, yeah, this is a guy that, you know, again, Jake, you, you know, you talk about these guys uh, late day three, uh, um, priority UDFA, you bring them into camp every year and one out of five, you catch lightning in the bottle. The situation is right for the team. The situation is right for them. They get the right number of reps. And, you know, maybe he's not taking, you know, snaps away from Miles or Jadevi and Clowney, but he's yeah. definitely, you know, in the rotation for the third and fourth. They're hungry edge. for that. Yeah. They're hungry for that. They need that. They Especially need that with a 17 game season now, Bill. Right. Depth is, is going to be huge, especially at positions like that where they're crushing skulls every single snap. Right. So, uh, we, we, we saw all the point. teams that survived the crucible of the playoffs this year were teams that were able to survive key losses. There wasn't a single team that, you know, the Rams lost, what, at one point, we're down to the third string tight end. Yeah. They yeah. lost both well, they tackles at one point. They called Weddle for crying out loud. Right. I mean, I think one of my favorite things was he picked the, he picked the, and apparently it was a real quote. He said, you don't have anybody better to call really. So I thought that was great. He's pretty uh, pragmatic, man. He would keep that honest with you. Quick couple of shout outs to the chat real quick. Uh, uh, First, because we got two first time uh, uh, chatters. Uh, We'd love having you guys here. Welcome to the OBR Twitch, the Jonesy 57. Absolutely right. Number one skill for wide receivers is to catch the ball. I love all the other stuff. I love, breaking down all the other stuff. But if you throw the ball to them and it frequently hits the turf, none of the rest of that stuff matters. Correct. And then uh, uh, Wagner BR, there you go. Uh, I Welcome. We're, we're glad to have you here. I'm not sure how to respond to that, but we're glad to have you here uh, in, in, in the OBR Twitch. Let's stay at edge. I was going to do another corner, but since yes. we were talking about edge, let's stay at edge. And this I'll guy is that. actually <clears throat> Brent Sobleski, who uh, we're all friends with over at Bleacher yes. Report. He brought him up when I had him on after the Shrine game because apparently he really shined there. Uh, Florida transfer. So yep. this is not just some small school guy bullying small school athletes. So this guy has the goods. He played for the Gators. I'm talking about James Houston. Yep. He went to Jackson State. Now he's undersized. So it's going to be, he played, as far as I know, almost exclusively, you know, traditional edge. And that's obviously not going to be the case in the NFL at 6'1", two and a quarter. Uh, but he, he, boy, this guy's got some juice. I don't know yes. where you use him, but like you said about uh, uh, Jacoby Durant, you figure get him on your team and you figure it out because this guy's a, he's a baller, right? Tell us, tell us about James Houston. So, for those who remember Robert Mathis, who was generously listed at six feet tall and generously listed at 247, <laughs> I've stood right next to the man, he was neither one of those things. <laughs> I, he may have been 242, 244, maybe after a big meal. Yeah. He probably played most of his career in the upper 230s, low 240s, and was probably 5'11 and three quarters. Uh, if a guy is terrific at pass rushing, I mean, Elvis Dumerville is not the biggest cat in the world either, last I checked. You get him on the field and you tell him to go after the quarterback. Right. I mean, sometimes people will complicate things that don't need to be complicated to that point. Uh if if you can't literally put him at the end, even though I mean he's obviously small, then you say, okay, you're officially a linebacker, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how many Sam linebackers do we see basically put their hand in the dirt or get into that track stance, that two point track stance, and just go hit quarterbacks on third down? Mm-hmm. Uh, can he drop in? He can drop in in the coverage. I mean, I've seen him do it. Uh, it's not the best in the world, but he's a pass rusher. 
he does enough of the other stuff that if you really ask him to do it, he'll do it. And he's good against the run, too. Um, he's also good against the run. Like Clowney, um, people really forget how good a, a, a defender Clowney is against the run. Like that, he's a, he gets his head across the bow. He wraps up. I mean, guys don't get away, right? He's a good form tackler, as you're seeing over and over again there. Um, he puts the clamps on guys. He doesn't just throw shoulders at guys. He puts the clamps on them, and they go down. So if you want to play him at one of the traditional, you know, 4-3 linebacker positions, you could do that. I think he's better suited in like a 3-4 or hybrid or whatever. You know, everybody's doing some of everything on defense nowadays anyway. But his best fit would be like that old Blitzberg, right? That old Dick LeBeau, you know, you, you, you guys are like kind of real linebackers, but you two guys are just stand-up defensive ends and go get quarterbacks, especially on third down. And he's he's got the goods. He's got the goods. Yeah, well, I mean, if he's recruited by Florida. I, I mean, you know, they're not they're not Alabama, but they're top level uh, SEC. And if you get recruited yeah. by Florida, you you've got some some juice, man. Yes. Yeah, he's he's the real deal. Uh, Jake, somebody like that. Uh, I know you uh, have been talking about the Sam position uh, for the Browns. It's not as heavily used. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, I think, tack, tack, Tacky is there right now. Yeah. Would someone of this size fit or do they need, even though it's not a ton of snaps, do they need somebody with a bit more of the traditional size? Well, I mean, I just don't, not that that doesn't fit. I think it could fit. I just don't think they're in the hunt for that from Cleveland's perspective. Like, I think they think they can keep Taki or Mac on the cheaper side of deals and get by that way. That, But he belongs. He clearly belongs. Um, but, but I just feel like, and, and to be frank, you guys know this, you're smart football guys. Like, like, uh, like I pretend to be, it's not, it's just not a position in the league that often anymore. Like under fronts and over fronts are not as popular because the formations are, are so heavy 11 and you know, you know, nickels base. And that's why I want to go back and listen when we get finished here to listen to some of your corner takes. Cause I'm always into taking slot corners late, man, because that position is usually the grinders, the guys who, uh, who, uh, you know, are the backbone of your defense and they got to tackle and you know that they got to do all these things. So uh, I'm into the right backer. If you think he can bump around a little bit or be a higher upside than, than just being like a creep up and take on a tight end type, you know, Taki was that way when he started in Cleveland, Sione was, and he's become more comfortable in coverage and when they've needed him to be. So um, I think that's kind of personally why they hang on to him because he, he's just a dude who works his butt off and you need those guys, right? Those guys who are just to follow, they'll, they'll do what the leaders say and, and, uh, do their job and be a special teams guru. So, um, not that Cleveland's not looking, but somebody is, somebody is, and they'll, they'll find a good player there. Let me give you one quick corner then. Um, yeah. Will, Will Adams, Virginia state is another guy okay. that helped himself a lot this week. Uh, he, he hadn't had any experience playing in the slot, but they, he did it a little bit in practice. And he didn't look terrible. Uh, you could tell he was new to it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you Big could guy, tell he was right? you know, figuring it out. But he's long. He's strong. He can run. Uh, good ball skills. He's got, he's got enough. Like I, That's another guy that I could see a team that likes long corners. He's six one and a half, I believe. and came in at 186. So I could see a team that likes that and long arms. He has long yeah. arms. I could see a team I always, that I always love school websites, six three one ninety five. It's my favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well <laughs> as, as I've said many times, that's always fiction. I mean, that's oh, yeah. always a, I tell my know, wife I'm six two. I'm six two. So whatever. <laughs> right. you know? yeah, I'm twenty seven years old. So you know. <laughs> right. 
Uh, but speaking of corners, I have one more guy that we yep. wanted to talk about, and he is a corner, another Jackson State guy. Al Young apparently had himself a tremendous week. Yes. I saw his name in article after article after yep. article. Real quick on, on him, uh, uh, you're talking about tackling, solid tackling grade of yep. 71, a coverage grade up near 80. Uh, this is a guy, he's got a lot of reps, played at SEMO State, and then grad transferred over to Jackson State. Tell us about Al Young uh, as we come to the end of the show. And here. here's the other thing. You, you asked about – uh, guys who can do more than one thing. Another guy who's played multiple positions in the secondary. So if you could, he could he be a dime back, a nickel back, uh, outside corner. Yes, <laughs> he could do all of those things. Uh, so if yeah, you're good, good, perfect. You're watching. Uh, and once again, another guy who's not afraid to come up and hit you, uh, which you know sometimes you don't always see. And yeah, you just saw a little bit of ball skills there too. Things that I like about all young. Um, you know, once again, one of the more physically tough corners I've watched this year and definitely big enough, uh, right? He's got enough size. And if you wanted him to play safety, I think he could do it. I, I think he's a zone corner. Uh, but I've seen him play some man too. But he's, he's you know, best usage to me is, as a zone corner. And yeah, you're seeing he's got a little physical imposing uh, part of his game there. He's not afraid to introduce himself to you and let you know he's in the neighborhood. <laughs> You know, and just making sure that, you know, you don't get lonely. But, yeah, he's he's a guy that – the only qu- real question is deep speed. So if he can show that he can run in the mid-4-5s at his pro day, he turns himself into worst-case scenario prior to undrafted free agent. But things I – yeah, things I do like, once again, football IQ. So many of the guys there, you could tell, really understood football. Mm-hmm. And he's one of them that I put on that list. He really gets football at a high level. And – he wants it. I mean, not that desire is everything. I mean, who, who, all these guys want it, but like he works like he, if he drops the pass in practice, he's not going to push ups. If he, he's picking coaches brains, like he's, he wants it. He's a guy that steals reps. Like if a guy is sort of not paying attention, he'll sneak back in line and get an extra rep during drills. He's that kind of guy, right? He's that guy. And we hate that guy when we, when we're like a teammate, cause he's a, you know, try hard or whatever. And the coaches love him, but if you're a coach, you love that guy. You want the guy that's trying so hard to get better. The guy that is bothers you before and after practice because he's trying to, to pick up something else, learn something else. And I guess, you know, like I said, my favorite thing about him is he'll never say no. If you ask him to do something, hey, can you do such and such? Can you return kicks? Sure. Punts? Sure. Uh, how about punt protector? Sure. Whatever. Like he, anything you ask him to do. Even if it's something he doesn't really quite exactly know how to do, he'll say yes, right? Because he, he wants to be out there. He wants to be on the field. Is there is there a dude in the group? Is there a guy? Is there a first two rounds to first three rounds type of guy for you this year? Well, in this group, no. Like that, okay. those guys didn't get invited to this event. But they're the guy who's the most like that was Deshaun. Like he's the one that if Deshaun has a really big, he won't go that early. But partially due to age and partially due yeah. just its depth at the class, you know, in that in his his kind of position group. But if he has a freak show performance at the, at the combine or not combine, but at, the, at his pro day, he pushes his way out of the sixth round, fifth round, and now he's pushed his way maybe with the fourth. You know, he might first first force way into the bottom of the fourth if he goes. Let's say he runs like four five eight, has mm-hmm. a thirty six inch vert. You know, a 10-8 broad, you know, runs a, you know, a 702 three cone and has a, you know, 
4-1-1 short shuttle and knocks out 23 bench reps and just looks like a monster, which, I mean, these things are are high, but not impossible for him sure. to reach, in my opinion. He's probably more likely a low four sevens, but sometimes guys just have the day of their lives, right? And we've all seen it where it's like, I didn't see that, um, but but if a guy has a great day, now that by itself, but they like his tape. Like I've once again, I told you, I saw people really enjoying watching his reps, and they literally had to pull him out of one on ones because it was just, it was he was starting to crack guys' confidence, like he was he was starting to you know hurt people's feelings. So there's somebody will want him, I promise you. Good to hear. Well, Bill, uh, as always, uh, I wish we had more time. I'm glad we got to everybody on the list this time. That's an accomplishment. Yes! You know, Jake Woo! knows I never get I, – I talk so much. I, we never get to everything we want to talk about. Dude, so don't shut up. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we got to, to everybody that we wanted to talk about. But before we wrap it up, I want to give you the floor for a minute. Uh, what do you got coming up? An article, an event, yes. an, uh, an appearance, a podcast? Yeah. Uh, go so I, I've, away, got, I've got articles, plural. Mm-hmm. Um, so like everyone, I've got a combine snub article because you're required by law. If you're a draft guy to write one of those, uh, so to avoid having to pay a hefty fine, I'm writing one of those. Um, the, the, the more labor of love is a piece that was going to be a short piece that's turned to a long piece because where you are to sort of, you know, gas baggy, um, I am to over researchy. So I've been to what was going to be like quick little articles now turned into a novella, but it's about, <laughs> DC black history specific names that the commanders could have chosen that would not have had any, you know, copyright issues or whatever, that would have been a real tribute to the black history of the city. Uh, so look for that on around the block black history. If I can just stop doing so much research soon, uh, hopefully I'll finish it this weekend. Uh, maybe sooner, who knows? Um, some scouting report stuff for nuts and bolts, uh, draft central, just on, once again, the players, thumbnail sketches on all the players that I liked at the HBCU Combine uh, and something else. What am I forgetting? I always forget one thing I'm working on. Something else I'm working Oh, and then just like I'm going to – I'm my position grading and all that stuff. I'm trying to get to 300 guys uh, soon. Uh, for everyone who knows what that's like, you know, sorry, family. Um, I Luckily, I've left money for all of you and, you know, instructions on what to spend it on. But yes, uh, other than that, nothing is going on. Just that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, as always, I appreciate your time, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's in texting, whether, you know, especially here, uh, you carved out an hour during the craziest time of the year yes. for people who handle the draft. Oh, and Trump- I was oh. doing a quick invitation to one or both of you. So as I do every year, this will be the seventh annual mock draft of Palooza. And of course, you can extend it to others if you guys aren't available. But um 16 GMs, one um, uh, AFC and one M- uh, NFC team, seven rounds of live mock drafting. That's how you separate the men from the men with no lives. So if you or someone that you know is interested in spending a very long time uh, drafting for um, their favorite NFC and favorite AFC team, uh, so that we have to go astronaut style and pee into jars, then yes, um, please let me know uh, via Twitter DM or whatever, and I will set you up. All right. Yeah, it's you know if it would take allow my wife to not have to talk to me, she would she would be all for it. She would give me money for it. But uh, uh, we appreciate you being here. 
exactly. I've got no life, uh, no life, and even fewer <laughs> friends. Uh, you know, you two guys are like eighty percent of my friend group. So uh, uh, everybody I know He's and like lying. is here. Uh, no. He is Jake Burns. Uh, th this guy here, you can see right there. If you are not following at eleven Bravo one thirty eight, you are doing draft Twitter wrong. Uh, and also, just a tremendously nice guy. Uh, one of my favorite follows. Please give him a follow. Uh, thanks to Bill. Thanks to Jake for joining us late. Thanks to every one of you in the chat, including the new uh, the new folks, the new followers, the new uh, subscribers. We love you guys. Uh, we will be back unless something happens. You know, we, we'll always do a. a emergency stream if a trade or, or somebody gets cut or something like that but we'll be back again on monday we'll be looking at more free agents uh, taking an early look at the combine all that kind of stuff right here on the obr twitch channel uh for bill for jake for the rest of the obr crew uh for blink of the tiki i am steven thomas thank you guys for joining us and as always go browns